Hale Varsity Radio every weekday afternoon from 4 to 6 p.m. Hale Varsity Radio is the best sports talk radio show around, and you'll never go a day without exclusive Husker coverage. On air, online, and on podcast. Chris Schmidt and Elijah Herbal have you covered every weekday, 4 to 6 p.m. with Hale Varsity Radio. All right, on today's uh, episode of the Nick Bob Podcast, re- really excited for uh, our guest, Rob Stone, Fox Sports studio host, does literally everything from college football to bowling to World Cup to college basketball. He's super versatile. I've gotten to know Rob a little bit doing some some studio work for, for FS1 for college basketball. W- one of those guys, you meet him, He you, you feel like – you ever meet those guys that – you, you feel like, I feel like we've been friends forever. Like, he has that quality about him. He's very disarming. The one thing that's cool about him is, like, no ego. He doesn't take himself too serious at all. Uh, he, he's, he's awesome. And they have a star-studded uh, pregame show that they are rolling out. I mean, it's, so it's Rob Stone, the host. And then it is Reggie Bush, Matt Leinart, Brady Quinn, and Urban Meyer. I mean, if you, if, if you sat down and said, okay, let's just, let's write down... 10 to 15 of the biggest names in college football over the past 15 years, you're writing down Brady Quinn, Matt Leiner, Reggie Bush, and Urban Meyer. Like, you are. Those are the guys. And so to get all of them together for a pregame show uh, that is going to kind of try to go at uh, college game day a little bit, I mean, certainly they've cut – they're an institution in and of itself, like – they have they've been doing this for 25 30 years when Corso puts the hat on right before the 11 o'clock kick it's like it's like a, something you have to do every single Saturday I mean they're they're great but I just I am really excited to see what this pregame show is going to look like because you know Rob Stone's money and then you you want to get a coaching perspective urban Meyer awesome I mean you're talking about a guy in my opinion if you if, if we're making a Mount Rushmore of of college football coaches he's on them I mean, you got your Saban, your Coach Osborne, your your Urban. Uh, you know, you want to throw Joe Paterno on there. You throw a lot of different, you, you want to throw Bear Bryant on there. You throw a lot of different guys, but Urban's on it for me. And it'll be pretty cool to be able to get his take on things heading into a game, halftime, postgame, all that stuff. I can't wait. I, I can't wait. So I, I'm I'm pumped to talk to Rob about what we can expect. You know, what, what, what can we expect from Urban Meyer? What can we expect from this show? Uh, what kind of things do they have planned? Uh, I, I ask him all those questions. He also, uh, he was in Paris for the Women's World Cup, what that experience was like. Uh, so you're, you're not going to want to miss that, that conversation with, with, with Rob. But obviously with, with college football on the brain, when you head into a, a college football season, it's impossible to just say, like, what's the main storyline? It's like, there's too many to choose. And so I'm sitting here and I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about the season and I start writing down all the top storylines. And before you know it, I got to 10. <laughs> I don't know if I'm David Letterman with the top 10, like top 10 reasons you need to watch college football th- this year. But I got, I got to 10. So here, I want to lay out my, my top 10 storylines this year for college football. Number one to me, Jim Harbaugh. Can he finally punch through at Michigan. He's been knocking at the door. There's kind of been a built-in excuse for him with Urban Meyer being there at Ohio State. Everyone kind of always thought, eh, you know, I mean, it, it's tough to get past Urban Meyer, Ohio State. That's why they're not, they're not getting over the hump. And more often than not, if it came down to that final game, Ohio State, Michigan, if Michigan wins, they win the division, they get in the Big Ten title game, they probably maybe get in the playoff or at least win uh, the Big Ten championship. So that built-in talking point makes sense. But now he's gone. Urban Meyer's going to be on this pregame show that we're going to talk to Rob Stone about. So the excuse is gone. Can Jim Harbaugh finally punch through? That's number one. Number two, we're talking about Ohio State. Urban Meyer's gone, and you have Ryan Day in place as the now head coach. And listen, he had success last year as the interim coach. I think it was for the first three or four games when Urban Meyer was, was serving his suspension for all that stuff with Zach Smith and the wide receiver coach that got caught in the crosshairs from different things. You guys know that story. Uh, but he, Ryan Day had success as the, as the head coach. 
But there's a big difference between being the interim head coach and the head coach. Just like my analogy always is, there's a big difference between being the babysitter and being a parent. When you're the babysitter, hey, you want ice cream? Sure. Can I have a cookie? Go ahead. It's all good. And then the parent, the kid's like, man, I love the babysitter. Well, because you don't, you don't have to parent. Now, all of a sudden, he's the head coach. He's got to discipline. He has to manage recruiting, manage the staff, manage things. Three, It's a totally different thing. And you can sit there, and I think one of the things you, you never want to do is make the mistake of, like, anybody could win at Ohio State. Oh, really? Remember Luke Fickle? Remember him? Jim Tressel got caught up in, in uh, the Tattoo Gate stuff with Terrell Pryor. He leaves. Luke Fickle comes in. A team was not good at all in 2011. And then... Luke Fickle comes out. Here comes Urban Meyer. First year, they go undefeated. I mean, don't, don't, if there's one sport coaching matters, it's college football. So what does it look like with Ryan Day? Again, I know he did good in the little four-game interim deal, but what does it look like with him as a head man? And you know, he's going to replace a quarterback. Dwayne Haskins is gone. Paris Campbell, electric, uh, dynamic wide receiver. Uh, they lose a couple other weapons. They lose Nick Bosa on the D-line. What, what does that look like? So that's storyline number two. Number three, can anyone supplant Bama and Clemson? Can anybody take those two down? I think I saw some stat. 11 of the past 12 college football playoff winners have been either Bama or Clemson. Like in terms of the college football playoff game. So you're talking about the semifinals. So who has won 11 of the past 12 college football playoff games? Bama or Clemson. I mean, to say that they are dominating college football is an understatement. And you you run the risk of things being too southern, too regionalized. Like I think there's a little Bama Clemson fatigue. Can anyone take those two down? It doesn't look great because they got two great quarterbacks and two in Trevor Lawrence. Uh, they they've been recruiting at a high level. They seem to kind of have it going. Can anyone take those two teams down? That that's the third story. Number four, can Oklahoma hit again on a transfer quarterback? They went Baker Mayfield, Heisman. Then they went Kyler Murray, Heisman. Then now they bring in Jalen Hurts, who won a national championship at Bama. Guy's really talented. He's coming into Oklahoma. What happens there? That's fascinating to me. Lincoln Riley's done an unbelievable job uh, so far with managing these changing of, uh, of quarterbacks. That's not easy to break in two different quarterbacks in two years and keep things humming and have both those guys win the Heisman Trophy. What happens with Jalen Hurts? He's different than Baker and Kyler Murray. He's not as good of a thrower. He's a better runner, probably, but he's not as good of a thrower. What does that look like? To me, I'm, I'm fascinated with that. Number five, in terms of the top 10 storylines for college football, are the Pac-12 and the Big Ten going to get left out of the playoff again? And that's, that's something that is, is, to me, fascinating. You listen to me at all. I'm a huge advocate for playoff expansion. I think you need to go to eight. You need to have five auto bids for the five Power Five conference champs. Uh, that way you assure uh, every conference represented. You get a little bit more interest coast to coast. Uh, but the Pac-12 been struggling. Big Ten been left out. What happens there? Is it going to be you know two SEC teams again? What's, what's that going to look like? Does Notre Dame get in? What happens with the Pac-12 and the Big Ten? Number six in the storylines. Year two coaches. And there's two in particular. Scott Frost and Chip Kelly. And the reason I isolate those two guys is because, obviously, Coach Frost was under Chip Kelly, and they both run a similar style. Chip Kelly, you got to remember, for a couple years there, it was like the guys that were running college football were Chip Kelly and Nick Saban. And then Chip Kelly goes off to the, to the NFL, goes to Philly, has a little bit of success and struggles a little bit, ultimately gets, uh, gets let go, and... For a long time, it was like, who's going to hire Chip Kelly? Because whoever hires Chip Kelly, forget about it, man. You're going to win right away. Well, last year didn't go so well for UCLA. They really struggled. Some of that could be personnel trying to get the right guys in to do what Chip Kelly wants to do. And that's going to be interesting to see what happens with, with Chip Kelly and UCLA. I mean, he was the coach. There, there are some people who think, well, the rest of the country is kind of caught up to the Chip Kelly, Kelly style of offense, up-tempo, spread. Almost everybody does that now. He was kind of the, the odd team to go against. Now he, that's kind of the norm. Now it's more odd to go against like Wisconsin, a team that lines up under center and huddles up and runs right at you. That's like, what is this? Well, what's happening here? You guys are huddling up? Really? Okay, what's that? That's called a, you call that a fullback? I've never, excuse me, who are you? You're a... Of a, full, a fullback. I've never seen that in my life. Like, now that's odd. So, some people think, as, as, as 
the rest of the country kind of caught up to Chip Kelly. And then with Scott Frost, I mean, shoot, I don't got to tell you about all the storylines with that. I mean, they're kind of the preseason darling. A lot of teams, or a lot of people picking them to win the West. They, I, I've, I've said this all the time with Nebraska. If you want to minimize things to schedule quarterback and coach, there's a lot to like about Nebraska. Schedule manageable. Crossover games aren't horrible. You get all your tough division foes coming to Lincoln, Iowa, Wisconsin, Northwestern. Scott Frost, National Coach of the Year a couple years ago with Central Florida. Adrian Martinez, top 10 quarterback in the country, dark horse Heisman candidate. You, you look at all that stuff, you're like, Psh, give me some Nebraska. But all of a sudden, you look, at, you, you look a little deeper, not a ton of difference makers defensively. It's a lot of the same guys that struggled. I mean, the bottom line is they did go 4-8 and eight last year. Uh, they've gone 4-8, and eight, two straight seasons. Can Scott Frost pop in year two? To me, that's fascinating. Speaking of teams popping, number seven storyline, Texas. Can they finally punch through? It feels like they've been hitting these checkpoints for, everybody wants to say Texas is back. You know, everybody wants to say it. And they've been beating at the door a little bit. They finally beat Oklahoma last year. They won a bowl game last year. A lot of people think this is the year. Uh, Ellinger, Tom Herman, the whole, they finally get over the, over the top. I, I, I have my reservations on that a little bit, although I don't know what I – at some point, all the changes with Oklahoma have to catch up to them. Uh, I do think I – mean, you got to remember, Dana Holgerson is out at West Virginia. He's at, a, at Houston now. So who knows what that looks like in, in the Big 12. But can Texas punch through? They've been kind of a team circled as they're the team to keep an eye on and watch for this season to maybe be a dark horse playoff team. Number eight, sticking to the Big 12. Les Miles is back on the sidelines, folks. He's at Kansas. And Les Miles and all those guys, listen, he was winning a lot of games at LSU. The problem was they were just running into Nick Saban and Bama every year. They couldn't get over, the, over that hump. And so they needed kind of – it kind of felt like Les Miles hit a ceiling, and so they, they wanted to make a change. But Les Miles is a pretty darn good coach. Here's the thing, though. Kansas, when, when you're starting to write down over the last 10 years, worst Power 5 programs, Kansas is in the top two or three. I mean, they've been atrocious. And with Les Miles, almost every single time he took the field as a coach at LSU, he had more talent than the other team. Every maybe maybe the only other time would have only time that wasn't the case when he was playing Bama, but almost every other time he took the field, they had more talent. Gonna be a little different at Kansas because I can say almost every single time they take the field at Kansas, he's gonna have inferior talent. He's gonna have less talent. So what happens there? Two more to go. Nine in my top ten storylines for uh, college football. Urban Meyer, USC telling you right now, just get ready for it. It is going to be the elephant in the room every single Saturday. There's going to be a lot of eyes on USC. If they start struggling, that seat is going to get lava hot for Clay Helton. And with Urban Meyer, uh, he says he's not going to coach. I ask Rob Stone talks about that in the interview. You're going to want to hear that in a little bit. Is Urban Meyer going to come back to the sidelines? Rob talks about that, so make sure you keep it locked here. That's going to be a huge storyline all through college football. Will USC fire Clay Helton, and will they back up the truck for Urban Meyer? Because there's been a there's remember we have a trend here. He won national Urban Meyer won national championships at Florida. Had some off the field stuff mount. Left Florida for health reasons. Did TV for a little bit. Then went to Ohio State. Won a national championship. So here we are now. Ohio State gets it going, wins the national championship, has some off-the-field stuff mount. He leaves Ohio State for health reasons. Now he's doing TV. What's the next step for him to get back into coaching? It's, it's possible. That's going to be interesting to watch. And then number 10, there's a lot of great quarterbacks. You got Tua at Bama. You got Trevor Lawrence, who a lot of people say is one of the best prospects. I mean, you talk about Andrew Luck uh, as being – Maybe a guy that 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 was a consensus number one pick, like this guy's going to be a Hall of Famer. Trevor Lawrence looks the part. He was unbelievable last year for Clemson. Uh, Justin Herbert at Oregon can really sling it. Kind of surprised me that he came back uh, for for his senior year. Jake Fromm at Georgia is a good player. Uh, obviously, Adrian Martinez is on that list. Jalen Hurts at Oklahoma. Uh, you got a bunch of guys. Justin Fields will be interested to see what he does at, at Ohio State. Um, you, you, you got a bunch of dudes that are really talented 
from coast to coast at the quarterback spot. So I try to sit down and write one storyline down and end up writing down 10. So those are the, those are the top 10 storylines for college football this season. I can't wait, man. I can't wait. It is going to be fun to see what ends up uh, shaking out this year for college football. Okay, coming up, we're going to get to Rob Stone. You're, you're not going to want to miss this interview. You're not going to miss this interview. What can you expect with this pregame show? Urban Meyer, Reggie Bush, Matt Leiner, Brady Quinn. I mean, that's a star-studded cast. What can you expect with, with that? Plus, you're going to get a, a better sense of what Rob Stone's like. He's just a, he's a great dude. Really, he's, he's one of my favorite guys that I've gotten to know working at Fox here doing some college hoop stuff. All right, on the line now, uh, Mr. Rob Stone. You know his name. You know his face. Fox Sports studio host. Does everything from bowling to college basketball. And uh, How many people can work at a bowling alley? The Eiffel Tower right behind him, or in Russia, or in Madison Square Garden. Only you, Rob Stone. That's, I mean, that's only you can, can do all these things. Hey, I'll, I'll take as long as I can get a title that nobody else has, I'll, I'll own up to it. So that's all good with me. A bowling center uh, and soccer, that's fine. Actually, I'm, the PBA is coming to Lincoln, Nebraska next year, and I am fired up and hopeful that I can make that trip uh, and that college hoops uh, doesn't totally totally jump that wagon wow. on that particular day. I don't know. I, I wish I could say, you know, Lincoln's bowling scene is crazy. I have no idea, Rob. I have no clue. No idea. Uh, you, you will be the first to know when I get that date solidified. Okay. We can try to see if we can work a little magic. Are, how good of a bowler are you? Not. Not? Not a good bowler. Negatory? Uh, I mean, do you at least... Last time... Last time I went out, my wife beat me. And, and I mean, you know, whatever. Say what you will about that. But it, she shouldn't have beaten me. She did. And number two, if only I was around human beings that could provide some input and some help to my game. Yeah, I'm, sure, I'm sure. You just don't have any. Yeah, you don't have any insight near you. And it's that. pathetic. Do you yeah, own yeah, your I'm own? Do you own your own bowling ball? I had one given to me years ago, and I put it in a precarious spot in my closet in my bedroom and wow. I just kind of kept having um, you know some John Candy-esque flashbacks where that thing was just going to roll off and crush me and I said you know what I, I don't need this I don't even know what it does for me my game is miserable I don't know why I need to keep this 12 pound uh, potential decapitation <laughs> device around in my closet so I said let's, let's move on from that I had so uh, I, I did a show with Matt Schick Schick and Nick and we had a bowling league and in for for this radio show, and they made Chick and I some bo- a bowling ball. I have a bowling ball, but I don't know where it's at. It's somewhere in my house. Is a bowling ball the type of thing that you need to like? It needs to be maintained in like it can't just sit on the floor somewhere. Will it lose its? Will it lose its like its spin right, right. and does ability? It need to be in a, does it need to be in a wine cellar or a humidor <laughs> with your cigars? Uh, these are questions. I don't know. I don't, I'm assuming, look, it's a freaking bowling ball for crying out right, loud, right? Like, right. It should be impervious to everything. It should be like nuclear attacks, and the only <laughs> thing left standing are roaches and bowling balls. <laughs> I totally agree. I totally agree. How, hey, how, was, uh, how was Paris, by the way? How was, uh, how, how, how was it there? You know? Just, just a, a wonderful, uh, hey, the backdrop is gorgeous. You yes. Know, a, a great country that, that has really kind of changed the it's tuned. Um, I was there 21 years ago covering World Cup 98, and it, it was very much that prototypical France and Paris of, you know, the noses up and, hey, what are you doing here? And, you know, I, I would, I, I grew up, here's the, here's the quote, uh, my mom, my mom can never keep fish straight. Uh-huh. You know, like, is, do I like soul? Do I like the grouper? There's, you know, and things sound the same, and she doesn't know, so she would always turn to my dad, like, honey, is this the fish I like, or is that one? And then her go-to fish question was, is the fish fishy? You know, does it, does it taste fishy? You know, and, yeah. and if it does, then, then, then it's a no-go. So I pulled that line in France oh, in oh. Uh, at a seafood restaurant in 98, and I said, is that is that a fish? Is it fishy? Because I've never heard of this fish before. Is it is it fishy? And the guy looks at me. He's like, "Is fish fishy? It is fish." And and he walked away. So that was my memory of in '98. Yeah, you gotta be careful. Uh, this, this go around, this go around. They were, they were more than happy 
uh, to take my money and smile and be very accommodating to the Americans. So it's fantastic. It's a wonderful event. Um, the Women's World Cup it just continues to grow and, and rise in prominence. And it, it's really enjoyable to do it when your team, your team that you're covering, is really, really good and yeah. the team to beat. And they're, they're the one that provides the headline. Um, it makes it, it makes it easy in, in an enjoyable way. Um, you know, summer prior in Russia where the U.S. men weren't there, you know, it brought about a different set of challenges, uh, as a broadcaster that frankly nobody had ever dealt with in the United States, uh, on that degree and on that level. And so just the ease, um, of covering this was, was so simple because there was always something to talk about and our panel was fantastic. And, you know, sometimes you get, you get lucky, you get fortunate. Sometimes you don't get lucky with, you know, the, the studio setting and, and the people that you have around you. You need to do a little more legwork uh, than with others. Or, or some, you just kind of sit back, you push your chair back and go, go at them. And, and the women and, and the Lexi that we had on our panel this summer were just fantastic. And it, it made my life, made our producer's life, made our executive's life so much easier. Uh, they were just absolutely brilliant. Fun fact for me, I actually, I got engaged in Paris. And so... Nice. Yeah, I think I set the bar, though, a little high for, like, how romantic of a human yeah. being I'm going to be. I mean, the sun was setting. We were at this church steps. Thing. I think it was called Sacre Coeur was the, the name of the church. Yep. And, yeah, I, I mean, to say I've even sniffed anything that romantic since I got down to one knee is not even close. Yeah, it's funny you mention that I, because you're, you're right. The women do remember the bar that you set, yeah. and, and they don't tolerate anything anything lower. You know, if you're going, you know, the, the, uh, the limbo, if you're doing the limbo contest, right. They're always like, no, 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 don't go, don't go no, low. You go high. Right. Let's raise it up more. Remember that beautiful gift of the 10 year anniversary? Uh, I do. But all I know is it better be twice as good on the 20th. Whoa, slow the roll. Yeah. So I have my 20th anniversary coming up in, in weeks and uh, I pretty much live in fear. Uh-oh. You know, like I can't go to yeah. bed at night. What are you going to do? I wake up early. Cause I, 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 what am I going to do? Because it's not going to be, it's not going to be good enough. Uh, and and I, I, I don't want to go for help. Right. You know, I don't want to just say, can you just tell me what to do so you're happy? Because <laughs> I, I want it to be from my heart right. and from you. Me, should know. You know? Yeah. But I also know if if it is from my heart and from me, I'm going to fail. Yeah. And I don't want to fail. So I would rather I'd rather have success with some insight. The uh, to go back to your your is it fishy story. Quick little little story about going overseas. So I was I was in Dublin with my uh, my girlfriend at the time, now my wife and her sister, and we are in this Irish pub. Right, we're like, okay, let's go drink some Guinness. So it's like, let's take in the full, uh, you know, Dublin experience. And my wife was a former bartender, and so she was like, let's go do a shot. So we go up to the bar and to the bartender. And she goes, can we get um, two Irish car bomb shots and two pints of Guinness? And the the guy looked at us like, excuse me? And she went, yeah, she, you just say? <laughs> two Irish car bombs, two Guinness. And, and she, he goes, hold on. And he goes and gets the owner of this pub. And I'm like, oh, Lord. What? I mean, this, I mean, we're going to be, we're, we better get ready to sprint here. And this guy comes over, and this is going to be a terrible exit. He's like, what What did you guys just order? What did you say it was? And, uh, and she's like, two Irish car bombs. She goes, do you, you do realize that's like going to, uh, to New York City and ordering two 9-11s. You do understand that, right? And we were like, <laughs> we were like okay, so sorry, so sorry. And then he started laughing. He was like, it's, it's all good. So he brings us the shots, and this guy proceeded to drink Guinness with us for like an hour. But there was a moment I thought, I'm going to die in Dublin at a, at, a, at, a, at a pub because we named a shot something offensive. Yeah, good thing Conor McGregor wasn't there. He, he, he dropped you a quick <laughs> left across the bar, too. No, no doubt about it. Conor, Conor McGregor would not have liked that at all, at all. But yeah, so you got to be careful about the things that you say over there, uh, yeah. over, over the pond, if you will. Um, you So I'd imagine you, because you're a soccer guy. I mean, you bring up, you were there in 98 at the World Cup. I, this had to have been, could you feel that it was big, that what the women were doing was big when you're there? I mean, it's it's one thing to experience it there, but then to get a sense of what it's like in the States when you're over in Paris, could you feel that it was huge when it was going on? Yeah, there, there's always that that disconnect. Uh, the time zone and the, uh, you know, the distance between point A and, and point B, which is your 
you know, the, the people that you're covering this event for back in the U.S. And we have that every time we do a World Cup where, you know, you're kind of reading articles or you're getting word of mouth from friends and, and family of, of how it's, how it's part, you know, how it's being digested back home. And, and it's kind of a trust. You know, a lot of it too is just the TV news that come in where you're seeing this constant growth in numbers, uh, like this summer. We had numbers much higher than we expected. And, um, you know, they, they were beating the numbers from Canada four years ago, which was essentially in prime time in the United States. And here we are, you know, early morning and we're getting these great returns. So, so we do, you know, we get some of that. And then, you know, there was that open controversy about, you know, all the goals they scored against Thailand and the yeah. celebration. And we were there, and we kind of we didn't count on it. It, it was a it was a, a, a very open and honest discussion that came right out of the bat, right at the final whistle. And then you know we kind of went on on our way, and you know it was still something kind of lingering in us. And then it just blew up, and you know you, you hear about it kind of blowing up back home, and you go, well, looks like we're going to continue this conversation as well, since we were kind of on the leading front of that. But yeah, there is this this is this slight disconnect, yeah. um, which makes it which makes it difficult. And then the other thing I'll say is the, the Women's World Cup, it was an absolute um, A-plus, home run, grand slam, you know, all those sports cliches you want to do. Uh, they did a fantastic job. Of, you know, the, you see nations on the rise, excellent soccer team, uh, really good crowds for the most part. Of course, you'll build, there were a couple that are disappointing, but the biggest disappointment is the fact that uh, as great of a host as France was, if you were traveling through France, if you were in Paris, for the majority of the moments that you had, you would not have known a World Cup was going on, uh, and that that's uncharacteristic. And it was a it was a major whiff on FIFA's part and maybe the organizing committee's part as well. I don't know who takes the blame for that, but I'm ready to throw some blame. Because look, when, <laughs> when we landed in in Russia, you know, last summer, the airport was you know full of ads. You know, so if you're walking off your plane and you're looking at the other. Uh, disembarkment ramps, you know, they've all got ads for big companies that are sponsoring the World Cup and World Cup logos everywhere through the airport and, and then you're driving to Moscow and all across and there's there's merchandise sales, you know, Red Square and everything. You knew the World Cup was going on. In France, you did not know the World Cup was going on. I think in Lyon, and I was only in Paris, right, but I made it to Lyon the day after the final and I did see some signs on some uh, some of the metro systems and some other things that I knew, okay, the tournament was here. For the most part, you know, I, I saw absolutely zero in Paris unless you were right on top of the game. Um, and a lot of people didn't know it was going on. There were a lot of American visitors like, oh, you must be here for the World Cup. They're like, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> uh, so that, that, that part is disappointing. Interesting. Uh, and I hope FIFA, I hope FIFA learns from that because it, it, they deserve it. Uh, they're worthy of it. And, it just it makes them look it makes them look poor. It makes them you know look yeah. like uh, the conversation point that we always have about FIFA that they're in it for the money. They only care about the men. Uh, gender equity doesn't doesn't set in with them at all. And and I think that that is still the case. But they they certainly come around. You know, price funds have increased. Um, they've given much more value and importance to this Women's World Cup than they have ever in the past, and it continues to grow. So look. If you're FIFA, the World Cup, the Men's World Cup, is, is, is the event, right? Number one, nothing else. And for years, every single other event they had was just in another pool. Like, there's this tournament, and then there's everything else. Well, finally, you know, leading up to the, this summer's Women's World Cup, the Women's World Cup got pushed out of that everything else bracket, and they got pushed to a tier just below the Men's World Cup. So I, I know that may not be the growth that everybody wants to see, but having been around FIFA and international soccer for decades, to see that elevation it at least brought me some hope. Yes, it, it took too long. Yes, it should be level. Uh, but at least I'm seeing the growth and I'm seeing the progress. And, and I know, you know further than later, um, you know, that, that margin between the two is really going to be closed. Yeah, all I know is just turning on FS1 and Fox every every day during it and seeing the, the backdrop of your studio setting was I mean, it's about as, about as, as amazing I mean, as it gets. I thought it was a green screen, right? Yes. I'm going to do a weather forecast with a green screen. It's right. so gorgeous. And, <laughs> and, and some of those long days, I would just kind of spin my chair once in a while, and I would just stare. Yeah. I'd be like, oh, you hold on, hold on. I'm, I, I got I, I to prepare for this game, but I'm just staring at 
you know, the Eiffel Tower and then the scene that's going on outside and the marriage proposals and the wedding pictures yep. and the selfies and uh, the protest or the song and everything. It was just, it was, it was an amazing scene and really fortunate to be part of it. So you're going to be having a, a, a pretty cool fall here with doing this new Fox College Football yeah. pregame show. I, we'll get into that in a second. For, I wanted to ask you, though, for, for you as a host, like, what, what do you think makes a studio show work? Like, what makes them pop for, for you? It, because you got to, obviously, got to balance being in, informative with being entertaining. You got to know when to be serious, when to, to be, ha, have a little bit of humor. What do you think makes a studio yeah. show work? It, it's definitely having a blend of all of that. Um, and, and you also have to accept the fact that you're not going to make everybody happy, right? There's going to be that group, no matter the sport, they're like, I want more X and O's, right? Mm-hmm. And then there's a huge base who's saying, I don't really care that much about the X and O's. I want, I, I, I want a reason to watch and what should I get excited about? Or I don't, I don't know these two teams, you know, sell, sell them on me. So, you know, there's, a, there's a little car salesmanship in there. I think for my, my situation where, we're like, hey, man, we're driving you. Here's why you need to stick around for the next couple hours. Here's the player you want to watch. Here's the team. Here's a coach. But as far as the, the studio shows and the interaction, um, number one, it can't be forced. Um, it, it has to be organic. And the best shows, the best everything in life, I think really, you know, from food to television, it's organic. Um, organic is better, and it, and it may cost a little bit more, but yeah. it's better for you. It's better for the environment. It's just, it's just a better quantity. Um, but that's tough in this day and age where you get, um, you know, the, the critics will come at you in minute one of your first 60 minute show. Right. And those next 59 minutes, you have nothing and it doesn't matter because they want that initial take. So you've got to come in strong. Um, you got to come in hot. You got to hold them, but you need time. You need equity. You know, we have urban Meyer joining our show right now and, and he's going to be a huge focal point of this whole season and, and the conversations that are going to be going on off the scenes um, and in the college football world, the big name program struggles and is Urban Meyer going to come back to coaching? I don't think he is personally, but I'm not Urban Meyer and I can't speak for him. Uh, but he's got to, you know, get, get trust in us that, that we're going to lead him on the right path and we're going to get him in good discussion points. We're not going to put him in any bad spots. And then once he gets comfortable with us and, and we're doing that right now, like we've been doing that for months of, of getting together and, and outings and drinks and food and golf and meetings and talking football and production. Um, you know, you're just building that equity uh, and this trust. And then also this kind of knowledge of who these guys are. So I, I do a lot of listening. I'm, I'm a yapper. I'm a talker. You and I work together too, but yep. there's a lot of times where I just sit and I, the best stuff for me for studio is hearing you guys off camera and watching a game and just like a flippant little comment that you might make about like, oh man, you know, the, the offense runs so much better when, you know, point guard B is in rather than point guard A because he does, you know, and I just hear these little things from my analysts and, and I jot them down or, or I lock them in the back of my head and I know that I can pull that out at any moment and that, yes, you may not be 100% ready for it knowing that it's coming. It's not in your rundown. Hey, it's a22, we're going to discuss the point guard play of Nebraska, right? Mm-hmm. Instead, I'm saying to myself, hey, I heard Nick talk about this. So I know at some recess in his head, somewhere in your brain, that conversation point is there, and you can recall it fairly quickly if, if I'm able to, to bring it up. Um, but again, it, it's all got to be organic, and it can't be highly produced. Uh, you know, the NBA on TNT, I think everybody looks at that show. I think they look at Fox NFL as, as kind of the two shows of, hey, man, they've, they've figured it out. And, and, and what is that? And I think if you're looking for parallels between the two of them is both shows are given, are given space to breathe and run. And, hey, on the rundown, this may look like a sprint, but guess what? It, it's growing into a 10K. So let's have the trust by the people behind the scenes and in front of the camera to say, let's let this one go a little bit longer. The, the, the crew is jumping on this. The, this is good content. We'll kill some stuff down the road. Um, so you need to have that flexibility and, and you can't have everything like a line by line. You can't go into it with an accountant's uh, approach. You just have to kind of say, this is working. This isn't working. And you always got to have, at least for me, and I think for Fox in general, we, we like to have a couple curveballs in our back pocket. So I always like to have something that no is prepared for outside of maybe my producer or my director. So you get that 
that real pure reaction. Right. Uh, and that's the stuff we're always looking for. And, and it's tough, you know, because everybody wants to rehearse and get this in and get that in. And, and the key to rehearsing, and it's funny because at the Women's World Cup, we had a lot of, a lot of movies to television that after the first couple of days, we kind of had this, this moment in the meeting where we were all saying, save it. Save it for the red light, right? Don't yep. don't give us all your don't give us the A material now. Don't crack the joke. Don't do that incredible comment that's going to elicit this amazing response in our conference room. Save it for when that red light is on, and the audience will feel it, and you know the, the other people on the panel will feel it as well. But that's you know that's that's an art. That's an art to kind of tipping off somebody behind the scenes of, hey, let's let's just have that video from yesterday when whatever happened ready in your back pocket you'll hear me essentially calling for it and boom, you know, we can sucker punch these guys. Uh, and a good, you know, a good kind of side sucker punch is, is a good thing. Um, you know, it's self-deprecating. Um, it, it loosens everybody up, not just the studio, but I think the, the audience as well. And, and again, at Fox more than any other place, it, it is about entertainment and it is about laughing and, and having fun and, and watching people that you ideally will save yourself. I'd love to hang out with those guys or those women for a little bit. Boy, I'd love to run into them at a bar and talk about, you know, what Scott Frost has done. Man, I'd, I'd love to bump into Alexi Lawless and, and hear about the state of American soccer and, and things like that. And that's tough. That's tough to get to get over to your audience. But if you can do it, I think that right there tells you you've, you've achieved some level of success. Yeah, and a little thing for me, and and again, like you said at the top, there is no, this is the way to do it. It's going to be different strokes for different folks. What works for some may not work for others. I think a little thing that, that, I, that, that I know the TNT guys do, like if, if me and you are doing a pregame show, Rob, like if you ask me a question, I'd rather just talk to you. I think it's a little, it's a little yeah. stiff to go from Rob asked me a question, I begin talking to Rob, and then I go look at a camera. Like I, I, If you think about it, those Ernie, Charles, Shaq, and Kenny, they never. Ernie's the only one that ever really looks at the camera. Those other guys are, are looking at each other. I think that's a little subtle thing, too. 100%. You know, and that's eye contact. That's nonverbal contact that, that triggers conversation. And, and you know, you've been in this long enough where you, you know you can kind of start to read certain people's body language of, hey, they're uncomfortable or they got nothing to add to this or right. boy, they want to jump in, right? And, and my eyes, you know, in my role, I'm, I'm constantly scanning. So I, I've, I've, I've set up a question or a topic is going on and I'm scanning between my quote-unquote rundown of, of what our, our map is for the rest of the segment, but I'm also reading everybody who's on the panel and if, they're, if they got more or they don't have more and you know, my producer is in my ear like, you got more? You know, he'll, he or she will be saying something to me. And, you know, I've got a quick little verbal, or I'm sorry, a, a head movement yeah. that lets them know, I'm going I'm to keep riding this train because uh, I feel it. And, or it's like, it's expired. <laughs> you know, <laughs> thank you on this one. Yeah. You know, they, we're moving on. Cause, and, it, and it's great because I get it a lot on, on soccer just because it's, they're long days and long conversations. And sometimes, you know, particularly with, with women's soccer, there's not this huge breadth of, of background knowledge that one can attain, right? There's not these massive research packets out there. And they've gotten bigger every women's World Cup, but that compared to like college football, where it's just stacks of reams of paper of information on, you know, X, Y, Z, where you can just go and go. Sometimes you just kind of hit, you hit a, you hit a point where they're like, I've given you everything. You know, the refrigerator is closed <laughs> and I'll do that scan. I'll do that scan, and Alexi Wallace is, is great because he, he will avoid eye contact with me. <laughs> and I know exactly what he's doing because he'll see me scanning, and, and everybody knows, like, I got three minutes to kill. Right. And he's like, I, I, I'm not here to help you right now. I'm done. And I'm looking at him, and he will just kind of subtle shift to the shoulder and the head, <laughs> and that's his way of saying, go get somebody else out <laughs> or you're on your own. And, and it, happens, it happens with college football. It happens with college hoops uh, as well. Um, it, but it's, it's fascinating, you know, the dynamics that are going on behind the scenes. And look, I'm, I'm a sports TV nerd. I, I, I get off on this stuff. I, I dig it and I love watching it. But, you know, hopefully some of your listeners now are going to say, all right, let me watch, uh, let me watch that big game kickoff on Fox and let's see if, let's see if Matt Liner really wants to continue talking about the Clay Helton situation in the U.S. Yeah. Nope, looks like he's done. Oh, Urban's done. He doesn't want to talk about that. Oh, Reggie's got a comment. No, he doesn't. 
you know, oh, Notre Dame's up. I bet Brady Quinn. Yeah, there's Brady. You can see his hand moving or you can see like his 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 body leaning into the person <laughs> who's talking saying, you know, can't hand the ball off me because I'm ready for it. It's, it's kind of a trip. And you know what I'm talking about. No I hear doubt. you laugh, right? Yeah. One hundred percent. I know exactly what you're talking about with uh, with with Urban Meyer though, because it's just, I mean, he's to me, uh, he's on the Mount Rushmore of college all time college football coaches, in my opinion. I mean, I think, I mean, what was his his record in the Big Ten alone was like fifty four and four or something like that. I mean, he is he he is one of the greatest to ever do it at the college level. What in in the little bit you mentioned is some some dinner, some drinks, some golf, a little bit of time with him, what are you, what are you kind of wanting to maybe get out of him or what are you expecting maybe the, the viewers to, to get from Urban Meyer? Because he has done TV before, but this is going to be obviously uh, his second stanza with it. Yeah. And it, it's a different, it's a different period in his life. You know, he's, you know, his first TV was after success at Florida, which was great. And then he was able to get back and back it up times two, essentially with what he did at, the Ohio State University, um, the and now you know the health uh, scares that he's gone through, you know, are, are really the driving force of, of why he's he shifted to television. Um, you're going to get football talk at him, you know. I don't think you're going to get uh, chuckle hut time and and laughs, but you're going to get some behind the scenes moments um, that that will kind of strike you as a football fan. And, and, and you can only get these from coaches, you know, players give you a different perspective, but coaches give you these, these bizarro moments where, you know, like something happens just before halftime. And I want to know how the coach is going to handle that at halftime. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and you'll hear it right away. You were a lot of times I'll say like, Whoa, coach, how did that change the message in the locker room? And I would say this was that last couple of years doing Fox college football, and he'll come in like right out of that, ready to go. You know, like mm-hmm. that right there is, is a, uh, I'm throwing the Gatorades and I'm breaking, I'm breaking things moment, you know, or others are, hey, this is nice and calm. Don't, don't make a big deal about it because this, this is a young team and you, you know, got to keep them calm. You're going to hear things like that, you know, um, how coaches manage weeks leading into big rivalry games. You know, Urban, I don't know if Urban ever admitted this uh, on camera, but he, he said something to me the other day of, Michigan, you know, like your head coach at Ohio State, it's always about Michigan. Yeah, you got Penn State next week, but you know when Michigan is X weeks away. And he would allocate every week a little window of time to look at Michigan State. Wow. And I don't know if he ever told anybody that, you know, because as coaches, you're always like, it's next week, it's next yep, week, it's right. next week. One at a time. Get ahead of yourself. Right, right. But when it's Ohio State and Michigan, you are getting ahead of yourself. You, know, you need to be prepared for that week. And he would steal, you know, a, um, you know, a block of time every week to get himself prepared for that, you know, that that big game to close out the regular season on Saturday. Um, I, I find that stuff fascinating, you know, um, and, and I think Urban is going to be able to bring uh, more more than I think people are expecting from him. I think there's that expectation that he's kind of a, a closed, grizzled guy, and uh, you know, hasn't maybe handled the media in the best fashion as of late, but his time here, he's all invested. He is asking questions. You know, he wants to succeed at this. He, he's treating this very much as, as a game in that it's a winnable game and we're keeping score. And, you know, we have an opponent and we're going to go against that opponent. And, you know, we're going to shift some offenses and defenses. We're going to bring in a trick play, you know, watch out for our special teams. You know, he's treating this like it's a job, like it's his profession. Um, he's been hanging out a lot with the, the Fox NFL guys as well to try and, you know, glean some insight from how they've been able to have so much success uh, as a as a common entity, as a common unit through so many years. Because that you know, there's so much upheaval in this business. But if you look at the Fox NFL set, you know, there's maybe an addition here or there, but rarely is there a subtraction. Um, and it's an addition that is not a subtraction. Right? It, it right. makes the show better, whether it's Strahan or Tony Gonzalez coming in. So he's been fascinated by that dynamic because we, in essence, are, are, are somewhat starting from from ground zero and, you know, and trying to build this strong pyramid. And um, he's researching it. You know, He's tackling it like a coach. I, I think he is going to exceed expectations um, by several degrees. I can't wait. I, I can't wait to, to check it out. It's going to be... Mr. Rob Stone, Reggie Bush, Matt Leinert, Brady Quinn, and Urban Meyer. You mentioned that you guys are kind of starting this from 
scratch, for lack of a better term. I mean, we all know ESPN's college game days, well-established entity. They've been doing it for, what, 25, 30 years or whatever. But, and, and they got their blueprint of how they do things. When you guys have sat down and, and thrown around some ideas, what's, what's kind of gotten thrown out there? What, what you can, there maybe can be some things you can't share, but what, what are some plans? What can some of the viewers expect from this Fox College football pregame show? Yeah, I think number one, what you can expect is, you know, it's football in mind. Uh, and it's not just what our big noon game is. Because uh, in the past, we spent a lot of time kind of focusing on the game that's coming up. And, and usually we had a half-hour show, so that makes sense. But now, uh, with an hour, uh, it's going to be much more national scope. So we are going to talk 100% about about our game that's coming up in that noon Eastern window, which is the biggest game in our um, our programming grid for that week. But we're going to have a national perspective. So if there is a huge game, you know, if, if everybody's talking about, you know, you know, uh, whatever Georgia's going to be doing this weekend and the opponent that they have in, in week two, you know, we'll have somebody on the team there to give us the latest for that. So um, it, it may not have the full breadth and scope of a show that covers hours upon hours of programming, uh, but we'll give it to you. We'll give you everything you need in an hour. Um, and, and, and we've got perspectives, you know, from, from coast to coast, which I think is, is unique. And, and you have players and personnel that are on that set that, that register, you know, that, that tell you college football, you know, I mean, look, Notre Dame, say what you will about Notre Dame, but Notre Dame is still an absolute giant. You know, there's a reason that Notre Dame, Georgia game got moved to prime time on CBS, right? And, right. and Brady Quinn knows all about that. And, you know, the fact that Reggie and Matt were together during, you know, the heydays of West Coast football. Um, and, and what they've seen and what they were able to achieve on a personal and on a team level uh, is magnificent. And then you throw Urban, as you mentioned, one of the greatest college coaches of all time into the mix and everything that he's seen, you know, from, from you know, his days at Utah to coming to Florida to Ohio State, you know, all the conferences that he's been able to touch and, and, and the programs that he's had to line up against and, and the programs that he's built, uh, I think are going to be fantastic conversation points. But the beauty of this, and it goes back to our earlier point, is you can plan all you want, right. but college football is going to make, it, make you stick your foot in the ground and pivot really fast because uh, you didn't see that blitz coming. So, you know, we can have a rundown in place. We can say, here's our talking point for our, our opening show. But my guess is, you know, 50 to 60% of that show, <laughs> if we laid it out today, right. is going to be completely gone. Uh, heading into that Labor Day weekend, and, and look, we're you know everything is kind of focused on that that opening that Saturday um, in August, but we're live with college football, you know, leading up to it that week on on Thursday and Friday. So we'll we'll be able to kind of jump in and and get our feet wet. We've got tons of rehearsals um, coming up the next couple of days as well. But it, you know, it's all leading up to you know Minnesota in action on, on Thursday, August 29th um, in Michigan State on the 30th, and yeah. The Buckeyes, you know, how apropos Ohio State Saturday, August 31st, taking on FAU, the fight in Lane Kiffin, um, and, and Ohio State. So uh, my guess is Urban Meyer may have a few things to say yeah, about that. I would that. think so. I, I would think so. <laughs> right, you, right. You... I, think, I think at some point we may not even mic up you know, a couple of the guys <laughs> and just say, go, go coach. Just go. 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 You got the yeah. whole B block. Just, just talk. Just, just, just go. What do you football. think? Yeah. <laughs> just what do, what do yeah, you see with, exactly. with, with this game? And just, let me tell you what. That's pretty. That's pretty smart producing. I might have to bring that up to our producers today. Yes. Here's an idea. <laughs> just let Urban talk for the whole second segment. Don't even ask me a question. Just have have Reggie, Matt, and Brady go to the avocado room. Get some. Yes. Get, eat eat their little. Well, you know whatever their little Starbucks, little banana bread or whatever, and the, <laughs> banana bread, right? <laughs> and and then they can come back for for when they wrap things up. That's what that's what needs to happen. Do you, you know you do bring up like it, things can change uh, after the first week of college football. Whatever you thought the number one storyline was, literally can alter after one week. That's kind of the beauty of college football. If you had to pick one, two, maybe three things as the most interesting storyline for this year in college football, what, what stands out to you, Rob? Yeah, I, I think coaching is really important. Um, I, I'm curious to see, you know, there's a couple big time programs that are, are at a point where they need to say, we're, we're moving on or we're going to, we're going to keep going with this. And, you know, USC is the one that, that kind of jumps yeah. out at you, but you know, Ford has had a lot of issues um, under Dan Mullen, it has been a, you know, a brief time. So if he doesn't have success, 
right away do those off the field issues start getting a little louder um, and, and noisier. You know, and Nick Saban, you know, how his season concluded. Um, you know, what, what a you know what a punch between the between the teeth and between the eyes for him on that one. You know, how does that play out in Alabama? Uh, Dabo Sweeney, can he continue this? this going, you know, the Urban Meyer thing lurking out there. And look, I got to tell you, I don't think Urban's going back to coaching. Yeah. Uh, that's my personal take. I don't think Urban thinks he's going back to coaching as well, but it, it's still going to be a conversation point. People are still going to be bringing up. They already have out there, you know, uh, Harbaugh in Ann Arbor. Look, you know, he, he's had all these great recruiting classes and all this hype, but he hasn't really been able to do much against top 10 teams and certainly nothing against Ohio State. And that's how you're judged. Um, in Ann Arbor and in the Big Ten. So I, I think that's a big talking point. The other one is, I, I think, you know, everybody wants to talk Clemson, Alabama. Clemson, Alabama, we're going to see it again. We're going to see it again. I'm getting tired of it. I, I like yeah. I like to see some new, new teams get in there and some new blood. And I think it's time. I, I think you're going to see the rise of, of some programs that have been a little quiet lately for their for their taste, from what we've been used to, and, and are going to going to make some noise. And I think I think Texas A and M, I think Notre Dame, I think Oregon, I think LSU, USC um, are, are going to make more noise than maybe people anticipate right now. Is that is that getting into the college playoff noise? I don't know, but I think all those have the ability to be knocking on the door and, and taking Clemson, you know, and, and Alabama and Georgia out of that out of that mix. Uh, and then the last point is for so many years lately. We've seen this trend of college football of just going offense. You know, these staggering offensive numbers put up by your Oklahomans, by your Ohio State, Bama, Clemson. Um, and it's been fun to watch, right? I love it. I love offense. But I'm, I'm sensing this turn because programs are, are taking that, that introspective look at each other and themselves and saying, okay, how come we, how come we're not better than seven and six? You know, how come? We're stuck on this 10-win plateau. What's missing? And I'll tell you what's missing. It's defense. I think you're going to see this renewed focus on defense from a lot of these programs that feel like they are really close to, to either getting to that title game or at least getting into the playoff picture. And I think you're going to see more and more focus on defense and, and stopping these offenses. I think you're going to see offensive numbers. I think the, out, the, the attempt to output is still going to be there, but I think the numbers – are going to take a step back this year as more programs say, and, and Alabama is a great example. Oklahoma is a great example uh, where they're saying the reason, the reason we don't have a national title is because of defense. And we're going to change that right now. Uh, before I let you run, Rob, I got to, uh, obviously a lot of the people in my audience want to hear your thoughts on Nebraska and, it's been interesting. Well, I guess before we, before we get into kind of what you see this year as someone that works in television and comes at it from a national perspective, because we can get caught in our bubble here in the state of Nebraska. Everything's the, the big, sure. you know, it's like, oh, Nebraska, Nebraska, Nebraska. How, give me your take on Nebraska as a brand, its relevance still in the landscape of national college football. How do you yeah. see Nebraska? I, I think it's dipped for yeah. sure. Uh, I, I know when I grew up, you know, the brand Nebraska meant to me, and it meant college football. And I remember – uh, I was talking to the Colorado athletic director a couple weeks ago, and I, I was telling him, like, I remember Colorado-Nebraska games. Like, that got me excited. So I'm excited, you know, that, you know, September 7th, Nebraska is at Colorado. It happens to be live on Fox, which makes me extra excited. But yeah. like, that, to me, says football. You know, Nebraska back says football. Colorado back says football. Those two meetings um, are, are a good thing. I think Nebraska has the means to get themselves back into that conversation but, you know, they primarily did it back then, you know, with, with a great offensive line, not sexy, pretty good defense, not sexy, and, and a talented running back or quarterback or hybrid here and there. Um, so they, they need to find a, a way to get sexy again for, yeah. for these kids, right? Because kids want to play in, in fun, fun environments, and, and a lot of that comes from your coach. And Scott Frost has, has immediate name recognition to me on a national level. Uh, I think that was one of the smartest things they did. And, and he's proven, like, just give me some time. I don't need a lot of time, right? He, he didn't need a lot of time at UCF to make things happen. And, and I, I would say he didn't need a lot of time to make things happen in Nebraska. Look, I know it was a tough, tough start last season, but winning four of the last six games after that 0-6 start gives me reason uh, for hope and optimism. And, and even in some of those losses, they were playing teams really tight. And you could see 
uh, the growth of this program. And again, it's going to go back to defense. Right? Right. If they can get their, their defense up there to a level that's going to match what, you know, a hopeful, healthy aging Martinez can continue to do and, and what J.D. Spellman, uh, Spielman can do and, and Maurice Washington, whose numbers uh, running the ball should go up from that 455 last year. Like, I, I have great hope for Nebraska, and they're in, they're in the right side of the Big Ten as well for getting good results. However, I think they're in the wrong side of the Big Ten for making that national impression, right? Because you, you want to see, you know, these every year, you want to see Nebraska, Michigan, Nebraska, Ohio State. I know I know you guys host the Buckeyes on the 28th, and that is going to be a mammoth, mammoth game. That's one of those where you get the sense that Scott Frost is kind of circled. And like, guys, look, coaching staff, right? Close the doors, yep. right? One game at a time, blah, 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 right? Here it is, you know, let, let's make sure we're ready for South Alabama. Let's make sure we're ready for Colorado. And, and the Illinois schools that we got on the 28th, Ohio State is in Lincoln. And that is that moment where you can say, is Nebraska back? And if they take care of the Buckeyes, you are saying Nebraska is back. Yeah. And I think Scott Frost knows that. Uh, I think his staff knows that. My guess is that right after that, that game, they've got a lot of recruits lined up. And frankly, they probably have a lot of recruits coming in to Lincoln for that game. Hey, yeah. Come on up, come on up this Saturday, guys, <laughs> and watch the big boys of Ohio State in, and watch what we do to them. And then here's the piece of paper to sign, right? <laughs> uh, that is a, a mammoth opportunity, I think, for Nebraska to kind of take their brand and, and heat up that brand and then go brand Ohio State and go brand the Big Ten and say, we are here, guys. I'm, I'm telling you, Rob, the interesting thing is it's you, you have to go back to – Gosh, maybe a little bit of Frank Solich at the end at when when he got the job after Coach Osborne left. But this is the first time in almost twenty years that everyone every every Husker fan is on board with who the coach is. They believe in who yep. the coach is, and I don't know what that means because a lot of that stuff's on the outside. But there, you know, everybody's kind of rowing the boat in the same direction, and that's a that's a a good feeling. The weird thing though is that. It, it almost feels like, and this is basically never happens. It feels like the national perspective and expectation on Nebraska is higher than the local one. Almost like Nebraska has been kind of the trendy pick to win the West, and uh, it, you know whether it's Phil Steele or Athlon or whoever, everyone's kind of picking Nebraska. And I think there's a lot of Husker fans. They're like, "Ooh, let's not, let's not, let's not pull the the, the team out of the oven right. before they're fully baked here. Let's yeah, let's slow let's it down. Slow the roll here. Yeah. Just, 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 let's, let's, you, you guys were four and eight last yeah, year, yes. and yet you're number twenty four in the preseason poll. And look, you can go to town on on what these preseason polls mean and what they really don't mean. But I I agree. You know, I think if you're Scott Frost, you were not thrilled to see that ranking come up. I think you would have much rather have been there in the weeds, kind of kind of crawling on your elbows and knees, saying, "Well, we're going to jump on these people, right? Like mm-hmm. we're a top twenty five team, but nobody knows it." And now you're saying, "Ah, uh. I, you know." The chief, who has their GPS on, right? They know where we are. What are you guys doing to us? Um, and, you know, and that's a give and take. I, I think he would have preferred next year or the year after to be in those preseason polls where people are talking about you. Because instead, the conversation is, yeah, the, the horse is in front of the cart right now just yeah. a little bit. But uh, they've got this great opportunity with this, with this schedule in front of them, I think, to, to make, some, make some real noise, um, you, you know, and, and, and get themselves back in year, you know, in this year with Frost, and then really be able to grow. And I think a lot of it's going to be on a guy like Adrian Martinez that you can you can sell, you can sell the TV people, right? You can sell to your fan base, but you can sell it to potential recruits out there. Like, look at this kid; he's exciting. Um, you know, you, you want him to hand the ball to you. you. You want him to throw it to you. You know, he's part of the guy that's bringing Nebraska back. And and you know, there's a lot of guys out there who love that mentality. You know. Do you want to play for a program that's established and they're already, or do you want to be one of those guys yeah. who brings you back, you know, who brings the big red back? You could be a legend, you know, in these parts. Come, come here, come rebuild this legend back. And and for a guy like me, that would work. Uh, right. Does it work for everybody? Probably not. But but you, if it works for you and and you buy in on that, then that's the type of recruit that I, I think Scott Frost would love. I think that any any coach in America would love. Well, Rob, I, I'm I'm really excited. So the first the the first the the first studio show is going to be Thursday. The opening Thursday at College Football is going to be is going to be Saturday. When when are we first going to see the whole gang? First show, uh, well, 
Yeah, we're, we have a preview show that's coming out that we're taping next week. Okay. Uh, but our first live on air is Thursday the 29th, South Thursday Dakota State at Minnesota. So that'll be our, our first little, you know, dipping our toes in, in the water. That's on FS1. Uh, Friday the 30th, we've got a doubleheader. Uh, Michigan State and Action versus Tulsa, Oklahoma State, Oregon State. Oh, by the way, pretty good little one. Yep. Both those on FS1. And then, and then the big energy of, uh, Saturday, August 31st, where, where we kind of launched that, you know, big name kickoff show. Urban Meyer, Reggie Bush, Matt Leinert, Brady Quinn, and Mr. Rob Stone. Rob, I'm, I'm going to be watching. I'm pulling for you guys. Uh, best of luck with the new show. And hopefully I get out during the winter to, uh, to, to sunny Los Angeles and you and I can do some studio together. Even better, they send you to Omaha so we can take in some crazy hoops. Yes, that would work as well. Rob, awesome, man. Appreciate you. Thank you. You got it, buddy. Have a good summer. Hail Varsity Radio every weekday afternoon from 4 to 6 p.m. Hail Varsity Radio is the best sports talk radio show around, and you'll never go a day without exclusive Husker coverage. On air, online, and on podcast. Chris Schmidt and Elijah Herbal have you covered every weekday, 4 to 6 p.m., with Hail Varsity Radio.